Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, October 14th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. So, yeah, this is what losing looks like. Earlier this year, the Federal Reserve stepped into the ring with inflation. (laughs) Buddy, I tell you what, inflation is whipping the Fed's ass. Now, as you probably know, we got the September CPI data yesterday, and lo and behold, it was hotter than expected. Now, how many times have I said that over the last several months? Hotter than expected. I mean, you'd think at some point they might raise their expectations to meet reality. But, you know, you know how it goes. Live in hope, die in despair. So let's look at these CPI numbers. The month-on-month CPI was up 0.4%. That was double the 0.2% expectation. On an annual basis, prices were up 8.2%. Now, that was a tad lower than last month's 8.3% increase, but, you know, not really great news. You you have to, to stop and think about how the annual inflation number works. It's a rolling number, right? So every month, an old month drops off. The 13th month drops off. So with this report, August 2021 CPI data fell off of that annual average. If you start with inflation really low, the first few months as inflation increases are going to look really bad because you're starting from a low baseline number. So, you know, if if inflation is like 1% and it starts creeping up, as long as that 1% is in there, it makes the increase as you go forward even bigger because you're increasing from that 1%. But once that 1% drops off and, you know, then you're starting at a base of 2 or 3%, you should start to see the upper end start to come down as well as it as it moderates. We're not seeing that at all, right? So just because we're seeing some some little drop off in the annual number, really what that's reflecting as much as anything is the fact that we're now starting to go from a higher baseline than we were when this inflation problem first started to rear its ugly head. Um, so looking back, the annual increase in August 2021 was 5.3%. That was reported as a big number then. Now we're at 8.2%, and that's even with all of that 5.3% increase no longer reflected in the calculations. By the way, the month-on-month CPI in September 2021 a year ago was 0.4%. So prices are increasing at exactly the same clip as they were a year ago. In other words, inflation is still running rampant, despite all the Fed has done to stop it. We're going to get into that here in a second, but first let's break down the numbers a little bit more. So core CPI, everybody likes this number because it excludes the more volatile food and energy prices. 
I kind of think it's dumb because it's not like you're not paying the higher food and energy prices. But nonetheless, this is supposed to be kind of a more stable, uh, better representation of kind of the underlying inflationary pressure. That was up 0.6% from last month. And core CPI was up 6.6% on the year. That annual core CPI increase was the highest since, get this, August 1982. So, That means even pulling out gasoline prices and rapidly rising food prices, inflation is still red hot. Remember when inflation was all Putin's price hikes? You know, it was because the oil prices were going up and that's what's causing this. Whatever happened to that mantra? You know, that spin didn't hold up very long. So let's just go ahead and get my disclaimer out of the way now. I say this every time I talk about the CPI numbers. It's worse then the numbers are telling us the CPI uses a government formula that understates the actual rise in prices. If you base CPI on the formula used in the 1970s, it's actually double what's being reported. So 16, 17% is really a more reasonable inflation number. Um, if you go to the Shift Gold website, go to our FAQ section, you'll see uh, a article there, a link to an article that explains exactly why the CPI number that they're using today isn't really a good representation. So if you look at the breakdown of prices inc- price increases by category, um, all of the energy subcategories dropped. So that means oil, gasoline, Uh, electricity, all of those are dropping. So that was what everybody was saying was a big part of the inflation problem. Again, we had Putin's price hikes. We saw these huge spikes of gasoline at the pump. And uh, when that went away, everything was supposed to be better. So Biden, you know, Biden's out there selling oil from the strategic reserve, trying to make that all look better. Didn't help. (laughs) Still have CPI going up and up. On top of that, you know, kind of a, a warning for down the road. OPEC just cut production, uh, so oil prices are starting to creep back up again, so that's not looking good for uh, future CPI prints. Um, let's see, what else? We've got uh, food and energy price or food prices. We talked about energy. Food prices were up 0.8%. On an annual basis, your food bill has gone up over 11% in one year, so that's both groceries and restaurants. Services, not including energy services, were up 0.8% on the month. Shelter was up 0.7%. And that's another category that is drastically understated by the CPI formula. You know, they they use this owner's equivalent rent, um, which is basically just a made-up number. Rents have been increasing much faster than than that formula indicates. Transportation services skyrocketed 1.9%. And these are all just the month-on-month increases. And by the way, your wages are going up too, so that's good, but not as fast as prices, so not good. On an inflation-adjusted basis, earnings declined 0.1% year-on-year, and your uh, earnings when you factor in inflation, are down three uh, 3% for the year. 
Now, I've talked about this before on the show. There's this narrative out there that, you know, inflation is no big deal because, you know, wages go up too, and it all just kind of balances out. Yeah, you're paying more. You know, yeah, your grandfather only had to pay, uh, you know, 25 cents for a loaf of bread, but he was only making, you know, however much an hour. So don't worry about it. But as this data shows, wages never go up as fast as prices. Sure, your wages will catch up eventually, but you're always fighting an uphill battle, right? The people who benefit from inflation are the people who get the newly printed money first, before the prices rise. In other words, bankers and government people, they're the ones that benefit from this, not you. You're not in the club. All you get are bigger bills and a lot of gaslighting about how this is all really good for you. And while we're discussing inflation, let's not lose sight of this basic fact. This isn't about supply chains or the pandemic or Putin or corporate greed or all of the other BS reasons you hear from the media and government mouthpieces about inflation. This is because the Fed printed trillions of dollars and injected them into the economy and the U.S. government showering you with stimulus. Now you're paying the bill. Inflation isn't the CPI, right? The CPI is a symptom of inflation. Rising prices are a symptom of inflation. Inflation is an increase in the money supply. Inflation is literally what the Fed is doing when it injects money into the economy. Interestingly, a CNBC article on the CPI data actually swerved into the truth. Listen to this. Consumer spending has held up in part because of leftover stimulus funds from COVID-related spending. In other words, there is still a lot of money sloshing around in the economy, money that the Fed injected into it and Uncle Sam passed out. And it wasn't just the pandemic. I mean, go back to 2008. Go back to that round of quantitative easing. All of that money is still sloshing in the economy. The, the Fed never shrank its balance sheet after 2008. It handed all of this money out to bankers and, and did all of these bailouts and, and stimulus and all of that garbage that they did. So this has been going on for decades, even before 2000. Go back to 1998. Never forget, this is a tax. Inflation is a tax. You're paying for all that COVID spending and all that other spending we just talked about. Every time you go to the grocery store, every time you pay your rent, when you buy stuff, don't let them shift the blame. The government and the central bank did this to you. They did it to you on purpose, and they're not sorry. I should probably also touch on the producer price index that came out the day before the CPI. That usually gets overshadowed and people don't pay a lot of attention to PPI, but it wasn't good news either. And this may come as a shock, but it was hotter than expected. Uh, PPI was up 0.4%. That doubled the 0.2% projected increase. On an annual basis, PPI rose 8.5%. Now, this was down slightly from the 8.7% in August, but it still indicates significant price pressure at the wholesale level. Core CPI, excluding more volatile food and energy prices, charted a 0.3% month-over-month increase in September. On an annual basis, core PPI was up 7.2%. Now, very important to remember that producer prices are generally considered a leading indicator. In other words, a spike in producer prices may eventually spill over into CPI down the road, 
meaning consumers could still see more price hikes in the months ahead as businesses try to pass on at least some of these increased costs to their customers. So where are we here? After seven months of tightening, four 75 basis point rate hikes, having pushed interest rates up over 3% since March, monetary policy that is considered very, very aggressive, a level of aggressiveness not witnessed since the 1980s, as one guy put it, we still have a massive inflation problem. As I said at the top of the show, this is what losing looks like. The Fed is losing the inflation fight. I even saw a CNN headline that said the Fed is losing the inflation fight. I mean, I'm not wrong, am I? Winning would mean CPI is coming down. I mean, we should at least see it flattening. Nope, not happening. Prices are still going up. You know why? Because the inflation fight was too little, too late. Think about it. The Fed spent months telling us that inflation was transitory. Oh, don't worry. Nothing to see here. No problems. It's all good. Only when it was a problem that could no longer be denied did Powell and company spring into action. And by spring, I mean crawl. And despite the fact that we're seeing historically high inflation, the Fed has basically taken a nickel and dime approach to the fight. You know, it's like a comedy sketch. You have the big muscle dude in the boxing ring with this little bitty pipsqueak. And the little dude, he's running around in circles and he's darting in and out and he throws a little punch now and then and he's talking a lot of smack. Meanwhile, the big dude, he's just standing there, not moving, completely unfazed, blank look on his face. You know how this ends, right? The big guy throws one punch and the fight's over. I've said from the beginning that nudging up rates, 75 basis points here, 75 basis points there, even though that seems big in modern times, this isn't going to slay 8 or 9% inflation. That's accepting the, the cooked government numbers. You need to get real rates above the CPI. Real rates right now are still negative 5%. We still have highly accommodative monetary policy. They're still creating inflation. Paul Volcker showed us how to win an inflation fight. He took the rate up above 20%, above the rate of high inflation. Powell ain't no Volcker. I mean, he talks like Volcker, but Powell and all of these Fed people can run their mouths with the best of them, sure. But open mouth operations don't slay inflation. And really, interest rates are just part of the equation, right? I would argue that interest rates are really much less significant than reducing the balance sheet. In order to get inflation under control, the Fed needs to soak up the extra dollars that are sloshing around in the economy, right? If inflation is an increase in the money supply, to lower inflation, you have to decrease the money supply. The money supply ain't decreasing. It's not going up nearly as fast as, as, as it was, but it's not decreasing. So what the Fed needs to do is reduce the size of its balance sheet. It needs to sell the bonds that it's been holding, all the bonds that it's bought during quantitative easing. It needs to get those off the balance sheet and soak up that cash. That isn't exactly going as planned either. 
The Fed balance sheet is down a little over $200 billion. I'll link to a chart on the show notes page where you can look at the trajectory of the Fed balance sheet. It's down a little bit. They have been tightening some, but $200 billion. They've been doing this since May, supposedly. Now, if you look at the Fed plan that they announced, which, as I said at the time, was totally insufficient, right? Even under the plan, the plan to shrink the balance sheet, the bold, aggressive move against inflation, it was going to take eight years to get the balance sheet back to pre-pandemic levels. And that was still too high because they never got rid of all of the balance sheet stuff that they threw on it after 08. So eight years to even get down to pre-pandemic levels. But they're not even doing the plan. If you run the numbers, the balance sheet should be down closer to $300 billion at this point. So not happening. It's too little too late. The Fed isn't really fighting inflation. It's a pretend fight. If they were really serious, they would have raised rates faster. As soon as they realized that there was a problem, as soon as they realized that the inflation genie was out of the bottle, they would have gone really aggressive. I mean, why nickel and dime it, right? If you need to get rates to 4% is what they're saying, or 4 point whatever it is. Why not just put the rates there? Why do it slow and, you know, all of this drama and all of this yak, yak, yak and talk, talk, talk? If you were really serious, you would just do it. You would pull the Band-Aid off. They'd be shrinking the balance sheet like there's no tomorrow. You know, if you have a fire, you run in with every available hose to put it out, right? The Fed ran in first with the fire extinguisher. We got this huge conflagration, this huge blaze. Here comes the Fed fire department. They've got all their fire engines there. One dude runs in with the fire extinguisher. Then it brought in a little one-inch hose line, you know, a little real line. And then they waited maybe 45 minutes, and then they brought in one two-and-a-half-inch hose to fight the fire. Meanwhile, the fire's burning out of control. And then from the back, they're actually still pouring gasoline on the fire. That is how this inflation fight is really gone. And that's why they're losing it. Because it's not a real fight. They're not all in. Can't fight without being all in, right? So the question is why? Why haven't they really been more serious other than the talk? They've talked a good game. But other than that, why? The answer is they know they can't do the real inflation fight without crushing the economy. I've been over and over this, so I'm going to spare the the repeat. You can listen to last week's show or one of the previous shows where I've talked about why the Fed can't win the inflation fight. But the bottom line is this economy is built on easy money. It's built on 0% interest rates. It's built on money printing. It's built on debt. In other words, the whole damn thing is built on inflation. So if you take the inflation away, the whole thing crumples. So instead of just pulling the rug out, the Fed is trying to ease the rug out. Or maybe a better analogy is uh, uh, the tablecloth. You've got the tablecloth on the table. You've got all the dishes on there. And they're trying to ease that tablecloth out. They're trying to move it out a foot at a time. You know, And everything on the table is kind of teetering with each movement. But nothing's falling down yet because they're going slow. But eventually, if you keep pulling the tablecloth, stuff is going to fall over. No matter how slowly you do it, it's just a matter of time. I've said this before, I think something is going to break in the financial system, in the economy. I don't know what it is. I don't know when it's going to happen. It could be tomorrow. It could be next week. It could be next month. It could be next year. But something will break. And when it does, that is going to be the end of this dumb inflation fight. 
Some economist interviewed on CNBC actually alluded to this. Listen to carefully what she said. Inflation is able to run this hot, in part because consumers have had very strong purchasing power. Consumers are still spending through these inflation increases, and the challenge, therefore, is larger for the Fed to effectively be able to rebalance the economy. Now, think about what she's saying the Fed is trying to do. What does rebalancing the economy mean? It means getting you to spend less money. We need less consuming out there. But how in the hell do you spend less when prices keep going up, right? You see, this is really your fault. You're not suffering enough. You're not doing your part. You need to quit spending money. Stop paying the higher prices and just do without. I mean, that's what they're saying, right? But here's the reality. If you stop buying stuff, this economy, which is totally built on you buying stuff, grinds to a halt. And you're not doing that. You see, here's the other part of this. A lot of this spending is on credit. We're seeing a huge increase every single month in consumer debt and consumer credit. I did an article uh, this week. I'll link to it on the show notes page that gives the August uh, household consumer debt numbers. And credit card debt is way, way up. The reason people can put stuff on their credit cards right now is because they used a lot of that stimulus money, a lot of that printed money, to pay off their credit card balances. So this is just another aspect of it, of how the inflation has allowed the inflation to keep going. You're able to spend because you've got money on your credit cards. You used to have money in your savings account, but we've all spent all that already, so now we're down to credit cards, right? But they need you to stop buying stuff. So really... What this is saying, what this woman is saying is is they want and need a recession. But then again, they don't really want a recession because a recession is political suicide, right? Inflation is a little bit easier to to talk around. You know, you can you can sell people the in, in transitory narrative and people get upset about inflation certainly, but not nearly as upset as they get when there's a, a recession and they lose their job. So, recession I think from a political standpoint is worse than inflation. So, they need a recession. They kind of want a recession so they can get the inflation thing under control, but they don't really want a recession because again, that is political suicide. But really if, if you get down to reality, a recession is the only way to fix that or fix this. That much is true, right? We need to cleanse all of the misallocations and malinvestments out of the economy. That's what a recession does. It's kind of a reset. But remember what I said a couple of weeks ago. The bust has to be in proportion to the boom. And we've had an unprecedented boom. They've been building this boom for decades. This didn't start with the pandemic. Peter Schiff talked about that this week. I just alluded to it. I'll link to his uh, podcast on it in the show notes page. This has been decades in the making. We're not talking about a short, shallow recession here to fix this. We're not looking at, oh, maybe we're going to have a hard landing. No, we're talking about a depression of historical magnitude. That is what is necessary to reset this economy. Powell can talk all he wants. I don't think he'll do it. I think inflation has won, and you're still going to get a recession because even the relatively small rate hikes we've gotten are too much for this bubble economy. Now, the market reaction to the CPI data, it was just weird, 
right? Gold and silver sold off as I would have expected because that's that's what we're doing now. Uh, when we see high inflation data, instead of thinking, oh, we should get some gold because the dollar is devaluing, no, we're going to sell gold because interest rates are going up because the Fed is going to win this inflation fight. It's going to keep pushing rates up. Um, you know, you have to remember, we have a strong dollar. I talked about this last week. We have a really strong dollar right now. But it's just strong relative to other currencies. It's the cleanest, dirty shirt in the basket, right? The dollar isn't really strong as far as you're concerned. You can't buy as much stuff with that dollar. That That's really what matters. I don't care what the dollar is compared to a yen or a euro. I care how much my dollar will buy. I care how many steaks the dollar will buy at the grocery store, how many gallons of gas it will buy. So the dollar is losing value, even though it's gaining value relative to fiat currencies. Right now, we're still seeing this this weird dynamic in the precious metals market where people are selling off gold. And this is primarily institutional investors, by the way. Uh, They're the same people who think the Fed are going to win the inflation fight and the same people who believe that there wasn't any inflation and it was transitory. I mean, that's, that's who's driving this gold market. And I think at some point, they're going to wake up to it because some people out there already are, right? There are people out there that are buying gold. There's an interesting dynamic we're seeing right now in in the gold market. We're seeing the price under pressure, which really is kind of good if you want to buy right now, by the way. But we're seeing this price pressure, which is being driven by the paper market, by the institutional buyers. But if you look at the physical metal, the physical market, it's booming. There is a lot of demand out there for physical gold and silver. In fact, there are all kinds of inventory shortages, especially silver coins. Premiums are going up. Delivery times are getting longer. One of uh, the shift gold brokers told me that you know sometimes when you see this kind of um, supply issue, it's a function of inefficient government mints not ramping up production in order to keep up with demand, which again signals that there's demand, right? But he said it's interesting that there is tightness in the futures market right now as well. And when he says that, he's talking about something that our analyst Tony has been covering a lot when he talks about the COMEX. We've seen a lot of metal, both gold and silver, leaving the COMEX vaults. So the trading in the paper, eh, but people that are serious about this are actually getting the metal out. People who want gold and silver aren't interested in paper metal. They want real metal, and they want it in their hands. This tells me that some people get what Peter Schiff pointed out in a recent interview with Charles Payne over on Fox News. You're going to need gold when the Fed loses this inflation fight and the markets realize what's going on. You see, there's, there's still a lot of fantasy land thinking out there. And that's indicative by the way the stock market behaved uh, after the CPI data came out. You know, stocks fell to their lowest level since 2020. Initially, when the data first came out, stocks sold off again, as you would expect. Everybody's like, oh no, the inflation's still high. The Fed's going to tighten. You know, woo, Fed, Fed, Fed. And then there was this reversal. In fact, the markets closed way up on the day. The Dow was up like over 800 points. In fact, it was like, uh, I read somewhere, it was the fifth biggest intraday turnaround in the S&P 500 ever. Uh, 
So there was this huge swing. All of a sudden, people started buying it, and nobody can really explain why. Um, I mean, it's just, it just was kind of a sell the rumor, buy the fact kind of thing, I guess. But, uh, you know, maybe the market just realized that the Fed is losing and they're going to surrender soon. Or one narrative, and I think this is probably the prevalent narrative because I saw this in, in a couple of news reports. Um, they're saying, ooh, this was hotter than expected, so this must be the peak of inflation. One investment strategist said this out loud, quote, maybe we get this last gasp of high inflation and from here we start to decelerate. <laughs> okay, maybe or maybe not. Uh, whatever helps you sleep at night. So the markets still don't get it. And I've talked about this before. It's because markets, financial people, pundits, they're going from news story to news story, from data point to data point. They're not looking at the big picture. They're not looking at the dynamic. The dynamic is the Fed printed trillions of dollars out of thin air and created inflation. And now all that money sloshing around. And the only way to fix that is to get all of that money out of the economy and the Fed can't do it. That's the bottom line. There is this fundamental economic dynamic. And there's a choice. You're either going to have a deep, deep recession or runaway inflation, or somewhere in the middle where you get stagflation. Those are the choices, but people just haven't realized it yet because there's not much of a focus on fundamentals, the actual dynamics. And again, as Peter talked about, I've talked about before, this has been going on for decades. We are seeing the chickens come home to roost. Uh, um, eggs that were laid, to kind of stretch this analogy, back in the 1990s. So, going to wrap this up. I'm going long again. These these podcasts have gone longer and longer. I was looking back, you know, when I first started doing the podcast, it was about 12 minutes, and, and now we're pushing 30 minutes. But um, as always, I do want to remind you that might be a good time to talk to a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist. You know, gold and silver are on sale right now. The price is low. Even with premiums being a little bit high, you can still get a really good deal. If you're wanting to stack, this is the time to do it uh, before prices start going back up. Call 1-888-GOLD-160 or email info at shiftgold.com or Go to the Ship Gold website, shipgold.com. Go to the Getting Started tab, and you can talk with a precious metal specialist right there on the website. So that is a gold wrap for this week. Of course, you can always get more details on all of these stories and more over at shipgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on the Google Podcast. We're on YouTube. All of the links are on the show notes page if you want to just subscribe. Uh, you can email me, mmahari at shipgold.com. And with that, we're going to wrap it up. I hope you have a fantastic weekend, and I very much appreciate you listening to the show. <laughs>